Welcome to the Canadian Church Leaders Podcast. So glad you could join us for today's conversation. For those that don't know me, my name is Jason. I'm a pastor here in Vancouver, and I'm part of the leadership team at Alpha Canada. And we do this podcast every week, sitting down with leaders and pastors, really because we want to encourage and support church leaders here in Canada and around the world. And I feel like today, more than ever, it's so encouraging to know that we're part of a network of other leaders who are leaning in, supporting one another, and asking the question, how can we best serve the people we care about in this time. I'm really excited to share today's episode with you. We've got Josh Kelsey here. He's the lead pastor of C3 in New York. He's originally from Sydney, Australia, but in 2013, he and his wife, Georgie, they moved to New York. And what began as like a series of small dinner parties has become a multi-site movement all over the city. And I so appreciated the thoughtfulness of this conversation. Now, you might know New York City has been hit very, very hard by the COVID pandemic. And so Josh was very gracious in the midst of all that's going on to sit down with us and share what they're learning, what they're doing, and what they're seeing. I know you're going to enjoy this, so I can't wait for you to hear it. Welcome to the Canadian Church Leaders Podcast. We want to serve church leaders and their teams by sharing honest and thoughtful conversations about pastoral leadership. In this podcast, we were exploring the question, what does it mean to lead people in the way of Jesus in the midst of today's world? Let's jump into today's conversation. Well, hey, Josh, super grateful for your time today. And man, we you're in, you're in New York City in the midst of a real pandemic. And so tell us what you're experiencing and what's going on around you these days. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jason. Um, yeah, we're we're in New York and it's pretty full on, very intense. And as you've all seen on the news, um, the I think the, the biggest thing that's impacting us um, is just the word coming out of the hospitals. We have a lot of frontline workers, doctors, nurses. So we did a Zoom call with them the other night. And that's when I really had some kind of some deep um, crying and kind of mourning, just hearing their stories of, you know, these nurses and doctors are having to FaceTime family members that can't come to the hospital and let them know, hey, um, your your brother or your father or whoever has passed away. And just hearing story after story from these frontline workers last Thursday night, um was a real dark moment for us and hearing that you know fema has sent in trucks that are freezer trucks because the morgues are overflowing they don't know where to put the bodies um you know so just it feels like a a war zone in the city and um you're hearing sirens like every every second you know so um but on the flip side just loving that the church in this time is really rising and serving and doing what we can to help people. So there's hope and there's light in amongst, in amongst the darkness, as we all know, but um, it's very real. You know, yeah. I think other parts of the country or maybe Canada, I'm not sure, but it's um, it's real for everyone because you're watching the news, but whether it's actually hit your area and I'm sure it has for some people listening, but, I know for myself, when I was watching, say, Italy from afar off, I was like, wow, it's intense, but didn't realize how intense it would be for them now Mm. experiencing it in New York City. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. And this must have changed, like everyone listening, but this has changed so much about the rhythms of your church. Can you just take us a bit into your church, the kind of the rhythms that were in place beforehand and what the pivot has looked like in the midst of all this? For sure. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, I get to lead and serve uh, a church called C3 NYC. And um, we've been in the city for, as a family, seven years. So we came there, just uh, my wife and I and a five-month-old baby in 2013. And we started as a dinner party. Um, And from there, you know, Sunday services started and, you know, it's a whole story. But out of that, Um, an amazing model form, which we thought the dinner party model, you know, centered around the table was just to get us to Sunday services because we didn't have a team. And so we're like, okay, cool, we'll do this. And then we can get to real church, which is, you know, Sundays and the gatherings in the building. But then we quickly realized, no, this is the New Testament model. We love big gatherings. We love worship experience on Sunday. We're not 
against that. We, we love it. But we realize that the New Testament church model is placing onus um, at the same level on both the mm. temple and the home, as we see in Acts 2, 42 to 47, they gathered in temple and home, and this was their rhythm. And so we began to try and have this rhythm and pattern of temple, home, temple, home, and place the same kind of development and um, intensity of focus and vision, both on dinner parties as well as Sundays. And out of that blossomed locations, so now we have five locations in neighborhoods around uh, New York and Brooklyn, Queens, and Manhattan. And we are about 70 plus dinner parties that uh, cover most of the city, but the vision is to continue to multiply them. Fast forward to now, and little did we know that the dinner party model would be so important mm. um, because we turned all of those dinner parties into virtual dinner parties, uh, you know, uh, with one with one flick of a switch. And the pastoral, the care, the shepherding of our church was immediately in place. Um, and we've really seen the church rise to the occasion. And, and I think they've even realized, wow, this is this model is so much more important than they thought. So, um, so yeah, obviously we've pivoted Sundays to online and that's been great. And then Wednesday nights is our dinner party night and that's all virtual. So the cool thing is that we still have the same rhythm. It's just expressing itself differently online, but the, the leadership structure from location pastors to coach to dinner parties, each dinner party is run by four leaders uh, is all in place. So we haven't had to scramble to try mm. and figure out what is the status of the sheep, so to speak. Um, as shepherds, we've been able to get a good read on where people are at. Now, not everyone's covered and we're not perfect by any means. We've got lots of gaps and holes, but we're, we're thankful that um, in this difficult time, we've been able to pivot quite well and add some things to the rhythms, like uh, we're increased prayer and word um big time and a bunch of discipleship things and training and equipping mm. um but that's that's kind of where we're at in the moment jason oh thanks for sharing that uh, when i heard you speak recently and as you unpack the vision for these dinner parties i was really just struck by a few things like one is this value of the table and why that's a unique thing in a city like new york or anywhere but then also the the emphasis on empowering leaders can you just speak to that that reality of over these last years, investing in leaders as real leaders and owners, even like pastors, uh, yeah. that sets you up for this moment that you never saw coming. What does that look like over the last years to actually empower on that level? Yeah, it's really exciting. You know, I'm a big believer in the fivefold ministry. Uh, APES, we've, we, all our leaders have gone through APES, if you know, know apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. And so understanding that within your church, however big or small, there's the fivefold ministry. And if you can empower that and release that, um, and then you've got to figure out, okay, what is, what is your core DNA? What are your values that then those giftings and those callings can be released. And we really value the table. We value hospitality, um, reflecting off of just some key things that Jesus did. You know, obviously this is Holy week. So what, you know, it's just fascinating to me that the last thing Jesus did before the garden and the cross was uh, the power of Passover around mm. the table. And then one of the first things he does when, as resurrected Christ is to have a meal again. And so there seems to be this um, almost, I mean, it's very obvious, but I think we pass over it um, quickly, understanding that the blueprint of how to change the world is actually seen, I think, in the sequence before and after the cross. So how do you express the cross and the resurrection is seen in what he does before and after. Mm. And, and he's kind of trying to sneak that in going, guys, get, get the, get the program here. It's not more, more ministries on our website or all these other things, which are, are good. But a time like this pandemic really cleanses us of a whole lot of, extracurricular activity and we have to come back to what's going to change the world and i believe the table is what will change the world and so the the vision that god gave us for new york city was okay we're going to value gatherings we're going to value you know whatever building we can get into but at the same time there's no building big enough 
that can actually hold the church that's in God's heart. Hmm. But there's already there's already apartments. People live in apartments and there's tables and couches and places of congregation that people can get come around. And I think the Western church and us, you know, I guess speak for the American church, we're we're so um, fixated on our gatherings, the bigger gatherings, and we elevate that so much to the fact that we've missed maybe the power of the table. Hmm. And but also the, the table, Jason, represents so many other things like we've lost the, the table in our family, you know, hmm. families watching TV during dinner or, you know, the, these kinds of things, the breakdown of marriages and parenting and family values um, have, have been lost in society, as, you, as we say, post-Christian society. And so I think the table is a great place to recover some of these things. Hmm. What's it been like? inviting leaders of all ages to lead in that space because for some i imagine it comes really naturally people with natural hospitality gifts but then for others it really is a countercultural thing what's it been like actually leading people into that way of thinking yeah initially it was quite difficult because everyone was saying like listen new yorkers do not let people in their apartment like that's their space you know new york's so intense millions of people around you um it's kind of their private space so there was a lot of pushback initially like this isn't going to work josh you know people are not going to open up and many people were saying do it in restaurants do it in cafes and i just had this conviction if we can help people see the why of opening up their apartment or their their home and really welcoming strangers who would become friends then we could begin to really make disciples Mm -hmm. and unlock the potential of the church and so yeah the once once some key leaders caught it it started to grow like a wildfire and so for those listening the um the, each dinner party is run by four leaders and so we identify giftings in each of them like hospitality hospitality pastoring leadership evangelism and they work together as a unit and so that really um that really my, my son just popped in oh awesome <laughs> uh, homeschooling life and oh, yeah, so we're all doing it exactly it's the new norm um yeah so out of that then those four leaders are always identifying another four in their dinner party that they can raise up and release and many people have asked well why don't you just send out one or two um but we realized that because of the intensity of new york and and you know any city today any area that many times the consistency of those small groups that we call them dinner parties um, is prevalent or the pressure is placed on that one leader. So if they have a bad week or, you know, they're traveling for work right. or they're sick, then the community doesn't gather. Right. But because it's with four leaders, we've never had a dinner party not run. And I mm. believe the momentum of discipleship, the momentum of your church is connected to the consistency of your community. And if your community at the small level, at the cellular level, at the, you know, the micro level, if, if cells are reproducing healthily in your body, then your overall, your body's going to be healthy. Um, but so often it's almost like we're trying to multiply the bigger parts of church versus just getting into that healthy cells, healthy mm. um, uh, leaders. And I think one key is, your structure as a leader has to be something that helps people not burn out, um, mm. helps people have a rhythm, an unforced rhythm that, oh, I can't wait for small group. I can't wait for dinner party. It's not a burden. Sure, there are definitely weeks for any of our leaders. Ask them. It's difficult. But having four leaders really helps them carry that burden together. And I, I began to see it in Scripture. Jesus sent them out two by two. You see the the four friends that carry the paralytic that each have one side. And so I just saw this mm. this idea of four everywhere in the New Testament. And it really um, encouraged me that, that we could be onto something. Oh, I love that. And now in the midst of COVID-19, have these dinner parties become the primary expression for pastoral care? What's pres- pastoral care look like in this time? Yeah, definitely. It, it has. And um, for any people that are not, that not our our whole church is not in dinner parties, but a large uh, percentage is. So it just means we have a 
a really clear place for pastoral care. And what that's looked like is, you know, obviously prayer, checking in, individual texts, but also they gather every Wednesday night virtually at the moment and each person can share. How are you doing? What are your needs? And they're helping each other out with, you know, Amazon deliveries or someone sick in their family, can we get them pray or what, whatever the need is, but it's met at a smaller level versus like this onslaught of needs that could come to some head office that now doesn't exist because mm. we're staff are scattered everywhere. Um, and how do I cope with all these needs? Well, you got to break it down into bite sizes and, and that's what pastoral care looks like at the moment. Mm. One thing I love listening to you share is that you obviously mm. love New York city and the people in New York city, but you didn't, always live in New York. Tell me about your journey of your heart growing for the city and just what that was like before church planning or even in the midst of church planning, just that growing heart where now obviously just chatting with you, I'm like, you just, I, I can just feel that. Tell me about that yes. journey for you, man. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, I was born in Sydney um, into movement called C3 and my parents have been a key part of that. But in 1989, they actually planted um a church in long island new york so i grew up from the age of seven to 16 in a church planning family in new york and so that's where my heart for new york began um and my connection to this great city and so it goes you know it goes quite far back for me and then went back to sydney finished studies and did bible college and was involved in the church back there became a youth and young adults pastor um, and then fast forward to 2009, I ran a young adults conference called Awakening in London, New York, and Sydney. And when I was in New York, something just happened to me um, where something kind of just a reconnection to the city was birthed. And basically from that point on, I knew that the Holy Spirit was calling me there, had some pretty clear visions and just prophetic kind of confirmations from randoms and strangers and leaders and people that would not have known and then georgie and i uh, as a couple really started to feel peace of god on it and then it was a four-year journey um where we just stayed submitted to our leaders um in sydney and we really felt like we won't go because it was such a big thing like to go with nothing to new york city you know there's so many moments for any church planners listening, you know, where you're like, I'm crazy. Like, this is not going to work. <laughs> you know, maybe I'm just romantic about the city of New York, but I just could not shake it. This feeling of being called to that city and, and the, and I guess the, the images of the kind of church, the, the young people, the next generation that I could see needing hope. Um, I could not shake it. Hmm. So, um, so yeah, then we, we said we won't go unless our pastors bless it because if they bless it um then that's just one other confirmation that we needed and then in 2013 um it it was we were ready to go i mean is a funny story we had about 30 people in sydney wanting to come and be on the team and we're excited having vision meetings and vision nights and prayer meetings and we're fasting and praying for new york city and they're all trying to get jobs and visas um but uh they no one got jobs and visas and i remember writing their names down one by one in my journal and praying over them and i felt the holy spirit say stop writing i'll pick your team for you wow i thought i thought well how will you know who i want you know <laughs> so um that was kind of this moment in my journey where i realized okay i have to rethink what church looks like because my plan was we're going to have 30 people on the ground. We're going to start preview services. We're going to have all this stuff. And that's actually Jason where dinner parties came from. Mm. We, we were not planning on that model, but God really arrested us through the lack. And I think that's a great um, just principle in this time that a lot of churches and leaders out there feel like, well, we don't have what that church has or they, this person has this online expression or whatever it is. But I think to really um, rest in the lack that our best creative ideas from the Holy Spirit can come because of the need, not because mm. of the sur surplus. And to understand that the God we serve is, is the one that multiplied the loaves and the fishes. 
he doesn't need much, but as long as we surrender what we have. And that's where we were like, hey, we've got a table. We've got some food in our pantry. Not much, but we've got enough to feed a few people that come from the neighborhood. Let's start a dinner party. And literally, we arrived on the Friday night on a cold, snowy uh, February night, 2013. And uh, that that first Wednesday, we launched our first dinner party mm. we just we just dove in and started handing cards out in the neighborhood real roar and just said hey you want to come to a dinner party and you know a couple of people came so and here we are oh that's amazing i love hearing about that and uh you know you touched a little bit like about your own journey as a pastor wanting to church plant sharing that vision for young leaders listening that are just like, no, that's me. I feel like in a moment, you described being at that the conference you're putting on, there's a moment where God, God did something in your heart, but then it was four years later that you actually went for it. What would you what would you encourage young leaders who are like, no, I feel like I've got a call to lead a church or plant a church or to start something new, but maybe there's this gap between that calling and fruition. Like, How would you speak to that time and encourage leaders in that? Yes, yeah, great question. Yeah, I think... Um, what young leaders need to be careful of is I think church planning has become um, in, in a good way, very popular, which that wasn't the case for um, maybe the decades before. And maybe it's come in waves as we look at church history, but in recent history, it's kind of a new phenomenon, like young leaders wanting to church plant, you know, before it was like young leaders wanting to start their own power church organization or, other things but praise god it's back on the local church and the power of the church being the hope of the world which i think is awesome but the danger on the other side is that we rush into something that we're not either prepared for or we're not truly called to hmm. and it's you need enough time for 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 god to develop what's happening internally in you uh i, I a few things i would say to anyone who wants to church plant don't church plan if you're not submitted to leadership or you or you haven't been submitted to a leader for an extended period of time. Um, you know, the disciples were sent out um, and they were submitted to leadership and, and they were developed over those three years. You, you don't really know um, what you need unless you're in a context where you're being developed mm. and characters being formed and all those things. Now, there's something to say for reluctance. You know, I think there's a lot of church planners I've seen in New York City come and go, even in the last seven years, Jason, and all well-meaning. But I had some really good advice from someone that was already in New York City, uh, a friend of ours, John Tyson, who I think is being interviewed on this as well at some point. Um, he, and he, he said to me, Josh, do not come to this city unless you are totally convinced you're called. Hmm. And it was, you know, I knew that in theory, but for someone in the city to say, listen, this city will eat you up and spit you out. It has no regard to your vision or your nice dream about the kind of church you want to plant. There's going to be some dark days, some hard days. And that goes for any city, uh, any neighborhood, whether you're in the suburbs, the country or an urban environment. You want to know that you're not just doing this because you went to seminary or Bible mm -hmm. college and it's like mm -hmm. the best option. You'd be better off helping another leader. You'd be better off, you know, supporting a great church or another church plant, be a part of a team. There's a lot of leadership to learn. I've, I've been fortunate enough to be in a church planting family my whole life. And I think a lot of things that I've been able to pull from are just because I was around it, you know, and there's a lot of intuition that I needed that was in, in me because I've just been around leaders that have lived it. Um, I'm, I'm very, um, frail and weak and broken as a leader, but I've just been around other people and I've been able to emulate them and imitate them. Just like Paul, the apostle said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. I think you've got to be around leaders that can show you what to do on the worst of days. Hmm. If you're going to make it in church planning. You shared earlier, just before we jumped on the call that you had a kind of a moment with your church where you called them to be global missionaries. Can you tell me about that moment and what you meant by that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was praying last week and I just, 
I got so moved at the fact that we are no longer confined to four walls. And here we have, you know, thousands of people that are in our church in C3MYC, and we can either look at this as a, a negative and, oh, we can't gather, and or we could flip it and realize that this could be the greatest time for the church to actually send hmm. people um, beyond the church, beyond Sundays, and truly live as the church scattered. And, and so, yeah, just, I said, I text our staff. We have, um, you know, obviously a, a group staff chat at the moment. And I just said these words. I said, I believe that this week we're going to send our whole church to be global missionaries. Um, and we're obviously we're using the virtual tools, online tools to do this. But there is no barrier to them bringing the good news into every neighbor, friend, family, colleague, boss, whatever it is. We have no barriers. We can literally get the good news across the whole globe. And finally, we're not just fixated on our Sunday gatherings. We can be so focused on the mission field. And the words came to mind, um, do not say four months in the harvest, but now is the time. You know. Mm. Um, it's it's white, it's ready. And I think so many people are talking about, oh, when's this going to end? And it's kind of like this four months. Like, what are we going to do when? And I feel like Jesus is saying, don't say four months and then you can get mm. back together. Now is the time to actually use this to send your church as global missionaries. And when I say global, I mean, yeah, in, in their neighborhood, in, in your area, in your city, um, but to really think beyond your normal four walls and, and that context. And I didn't know how the, the team or the church would respond, but man, they were so fired up. They were like so ready and so expectant. So I think the deeper principle is that you need to get a word from God for your church. That was, I'm not saying you say that to your church. Maybe, maybe that resonates with some of the listeners and viewers today. And I think it can, but at the same time, we we need a word from God for mm. okay, what is what is our church? What part are we meant to play? But one thing I do know, Jason, is that this is a time for salvation. This is a time to reach the harvest. And we shouldn't say, Oh, let's just buy our time until we yeah. can get back to things being normal. Because first of all, they're not gonna be the same. Mm-hmm. And and they're never gonna be the same. Things are shifting and changing. Um, some things will remain the same as we know, but a lot of things need to change and will change. Hmm. What's your own personal rhythms look like in this time? I know that you take your personal leadership and your discipleship with Jesus seriously. And, but in this time, how have you as a leader found footing and grounding? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, um, some days are good and some days are, are not good, but I think that was the first two weeks was just so intense. Um, it's really only been in the last week, week and a half that we as a family have started to find a bit of a rhythm because we had to pivot mm-hmm. and move everything online and, and work, you know, basically through the night to try and figure it all out and make sure we were strong. Um, there was, it's not sustainable and there was no rhythm to it. Um, but yeah, reflecting on the last week and a half, I think um, just having our quiet time in the morning um, has been really good. Um, doing physical, you know, some something physical, walk, run, some exercise, um, making sure you take breaks um, because it seems to me that we just go from one Zoom call to the next. Yeah. And then if we're not on Zoom, we're on Instagram. If we're not on Instagram, we're on YouTube. You know, it's just like one media moment to the next. And I think we've got to be really careful to um, not miss what God's trying to do in us. And so, um, you know, family lunch and taking time with my boys to play soccer. So I'm in charge of recess um, <laughs> and lunchtime and then, and then dinner time and making sure that, you know, we, we take the, we've been having dinner at the table every night. So TV's mm. off, phones away. Um, that's like at, for fathers out there or, or families listening. Um, I think this is a really important time to reclaim the table 
for our own family. You know, we preach about it as dinner parties and hey, the table, the table, but even us as leaders can miss that. So yeah, there's a few other things there. I mean, obviously for your staff, something we we put in place is Monday morning, we're doing like a pastoral care um, Zoom for our staff. I, I really was burdened over the weekend, realizing oh, my staff are doing so much. And we were checking in and how you're doing, but not a very focused, attentive, because I think we assume a lot about staff and leaders that are maybe paid to work or whatever. And I, I just was burdened like, wow, I need to care for them at a deeper level. So that's a new rhythm we've put in place is after the weekend, just making sure we're letting them share and pray and how, you know, just check in on some of the basics mm-hmm. there. How's your marriage? You know, how's your word life? How's your prayer life? What can we lift up? How are you feeling kind of thing? And how's that been going? Like, how's the staff been responding to those times? Ama- amazing. Like we saw like such a sense of health. Um, it was a really rich time. Mm. Presence of God just, you know, filled that, that call in that moment. And I got all these individual texts just saying, oh, I just feel so refreshed. And we've seen, and this wasn't our goal, but we've seen productivity, you know, really jump, even though we've been exhausted the last four weeks. I think this is something doing it not by might, not by power, but by the spirit. And I think it's so easy to, in this time to fall into the flesh with all this virtual online stuff and trying to keep up with the Joneses, trying to keep up with the other churches online. And it's just like content, 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 which is great. But, you know, what, what what's what's the end result of that? Are we going to yeah. be closer as a staff? Are we going to be deeper in our faith, deeper in our rhythms? Um, one thing I'm doing is just um, – like liturgical prayers, so just written prayers on top of just, you know, um, just free kind of conversation with the Lord. And that's just helped kind of ground ground me uh, and mm. help me stay focused on the Lord. So there's a great leader in the States called Brian Zahn, and he's written out, did some training with our church a couple of years ago on liturgical prayer, and that kind of, uh, for me, really shifted my prayer life. Mm. Um and added to it. It didn't replace what I already had, but it just really added um, to my prayer life. So I've been making sure I stick with that rhythm. Yeah. And I know for you, there's a passion this time to really try to build disciples and think what does discipleship look like? Talk to me about what that looks like to move from like um, a once a week discipleship model to like week all week long discipleship. Yeah. Yeah. I realized that this, this time has no barriers in terms of um, the technology we have. And so we've, we're adding to it, but we quickly pivoted to make sure that um, we've got life discipleship. And by that, I mean like um, training in righteousness. So we've got a lot of men that are doing some courses on holiness and purity in this time where screens are going to be an Mm. issue. Um, So we have 65 men on Monday night that are all on a zoom call um doing a video training and then someone walks through that and they're all accountable together um we have alpha marriage running on monday nights with about 22 couples and they're just strengthening their marriage um tuesday night we have bible college uh leadership courses and um moving in the holy spirit courses so again whatever that looks like for your church but uh, my encouragement would be don't just think about sunday online church um, because that is important and it's an ingredient. But but this is a really cool time to think about how do we equip, how do we train, how, how do we develop, how do we disciple um, people in the Word, in prayer, and strengthen marriages, families. Um, so we're, we're talking a lot as a staff about what we need to add without, you know, the cool thing is it's all free will. We're not saying everyone has to do it. It's just, hey, if you, if you want to do it. But the demand has been yeah, awesome. So I think it's a really cool time. And also, you don't have to write everything. We leverage off of a lot of material that's already there. So we, you know, have a shared video in the Zoom and then someone that's facilitating it. And then they discuss it and talk about it and take notes and pray through it. So there's so much material out there that you could just, leverage off rather than feel like you've got to share all the devotionals and you've got to come up with more messages 
I would just encourage leaders to do that. I'm sure some people are already, but that's been really helpful. Oh, I love that. Um, one of the things I'd love to chat about a bit, if you're up for it, is you've got a lot of young leaders in a city like New York where people are busy, um, whether they're pursuing their like dream career or just trying to survive. What have you learned about mobilizing young leaders in a city where there's tons of other attractive things to be part of and actually creating the kind of trust, reliability, consistency, all those challenges that so many pastors are facing with that 20 to 30 year old age gap? Yeah. Yeah. Some, some days I'm just like, I don't, I don't know how it's working. You know, like every Sunday before the COVID-19, I'd be like, oh my gosh, are people going to turn up on team? You know, cause it's very, it's a really great team, very young, new to the Lord. Um, and so you just, you know, just wondering, I guess, are people going to stick around, you know, is, is this going to keep working? But sure enough, you know, we pack, five five trucks and go to five locations at like 4 30 in the morning every sunday and um and yet they keep turning up and it's just amazing so it's pretty cool to see the grace of god work in that way but i think some keys that i've reflected upon are having a vision that's compelling enough um for for a young generation and i believe that you know that may seem obvious, but sometimes the vision is not clear for for a young generation. They might interpret your vision um, for some for some church leaders. It just feels like it's about the church and it's not actually connected to them and, and Christ and them being a part of it. So I think we've done is uh, we worked hard on trying to figure out how to explain the why, mm. and I think so often we run to the what and that's just not inspiring for this generation nor probably any generation but i think in the rush to produce something in the rush to build something we we want to like tell people what to do or what to get involved in or what team to enjoy or or join but the reality is they're like why like Mm. i don't i don't know why this is important to me so i think that's really important and then the other thing I'd say is you need to have, yes, a compelling vision, but a really strong culture. Culture is what upholds and also achieves the vision. So our saying in our churches and amongst our team is we talk about culture four times as much as we talk about vision. Hmm. You know, it's, you know, if you take the analogy of a family going on a, a car, a long car ride to, you know, some holiday destination, yeah, there's definitely a lot of talk about, oh, we're going to Disney World. We're, this is where we're going. Or we're going to the beach holiday, whatever it is. But eventually that's going to be not enough to mm. sustain uh, the interest in the car because then it becomes actually a negative. Like, when are we there? You know, when are we going to get there? And actually the vision can become a burden in the church. But if you then create a culture of friend friendship and relationship and um, what we say is culture is what happens when the leader's not in the room. Hmm. Um, culture, culture are the automatics. Um, so what we do without having to be followed up, that's, that's our culture. And that's for better or for worse. Correct. Correct. So this is a good time to reassess that. Like what are things that are happening automatically that, that are, you know, going on because of COVID-19 that's our culture. And think things are going to rise to the surface, whatever it is, good, bad, or ugly. We have to, as leaders, respond to that rather than place blame on people and go, okay, I've I've either not seen that or haven't developed that or haven't um, sown something else. And so, therefore, that's my culture. Okay, how do I bring it back to a kingdom culture? Or how do I uh, reform or regenerate that into kingdom culture? And I think that's what's, you know, back to the original thought, that's what's attractive to the young, uh, young leader is the culture. They love being a part of something that's risk-taking and mm. adventurous and uh, focused on loving people and friendship and serving, you know, all, all, the, all the values. So that's, that's, I think, not, that's not the whole picture, but those two things are really important. Mm. Talk to me a bit about defining the culture. What are some of the language you use at C3 New York around the culture you're trying to see flourish within your congregation and your leaders? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, we have like a few phrases. One of them is start with joy. So we talk a lot about the joy of the Lord being our strength. I think with the younger generation being, you know, hyper aware of their emotions or everything's about what we feel and therefore that then dictates our level of passion. Um, we've, we've, we've always said that emotions are good indicators, but horrible captains. Mm. Um, and so really trying to combat this kind of um, emoji generation, so to speak, and really saying, hey, emotions are, are important. They kind of indicate where your soul's at, but they shouldn't lead you. And um, that's really helped our culture. Um, also, uh, we're no longer servants, but friends. So our value on each other is not based on what we do, but who we are. Wow. So we're, we're big on identity. So whether you want to serve here or not, we value you just as a human being. You're a child of God. You're not more valued because you're on the worship team or you're just sitting in the congregation. Everyone's valued here. Now, we believe that as your identity in Christ grows, the overflow should be that the grace that's on your life, that the, um, the gifts that are in you should be expressed in the church and in the city in the marketplace, whatever that looks like, but you're not more valued because now you're a worship leader. Mm-hmm. And so that's a really important core value um, for us um, to name a few. Mm-hmm. Oh, I appreciate that so much, man. Um, as we kind of wind down, maybe just two more questions or things to chat about. I'm so grateful for your time. And thank you for having me. It's an honor. Um, as you kind of look through this season into the future um obviously not knowing circumstantially what's going to happen what do you see as some of the challenges still in front of us or maybe the opportunities uh for you in new york but even for church leaders in general as you kind of peer through because i think for a lot of people the first weeks were like getting online and then it was like getting their footing and then getting the, the staff working together and as you look through what kind of challenges and opportunities do you see in front yeah, that's a great question. And I've been thinking and praying a lot about it. And I'm not sure I have the crystal ball uh, response just yet. Um, someone texted me the other night and he's like, you know, we need to prepare our churches. And, you know, hey, what are your thoughts about what's what's next? And I do have some thoughts, but I, but I did say this to him before I shared my thoughts was just as when Jesus ascended in Acts 1, and the disciples were like, you know, when's the kingdom of God going to come? When's, when's all this stuff that you've promised? When's the set times? And Jesus says, it's not for you to know mm-hmm. the set times, but it's for you to wait uh, for my spirit so that you would have power to be my witnesses. And I think that in this space is just a really important time to be waiting on God and to first seek his face and to develop our intimacy with Jesus at a deeper level because we've become consumer Christians. We've become a Western church that is lacking power. And I keep having this vision of like Jesus coming into the temple and he's turning over the tables and clearing out the money, uh, money changers. And, and there's just like this sense of like aggression from Jesus um, because of what the temple had become and his time and they're like what are you doing and he's like you tear down this temple in three days and it we it, i can build it back up and what was he talking about he's talking about him because he is the mm. temple and he's talking about what we're going to celebrate this week the the death burial and resurrection of jesus and i think we have been building these temples and we've been building these churches that are centered around something but i'm not sure if if they're they're what he wants and this is a great time to really take a step back and assess each individual church and the global church to go is is the temple about jesus or is it about us as a leader is it about our ego is it about the the economics of it is it about us just you know being recognized is it about what is this really about and each of us struggle with that as leaders we have we have that brokenness in us and we can disguise it as leaders and we can pretend to be about Jesus. But I think if we're really going to change our cities 
in our towns and our neighborhoods. And if the church is really the hope of the world, we need to use this time to ask Jesus to clear us out <laughs> of anything that is not what he wants in our churches. And then say, Lord, you, you rebuild, you be the cornerstone. Yeah. You, you know, let's lay that cornerstone again. If, if, if there is no building and there's no walls, let's just start with the cornerstone. Hmm. Don't try and add online church and this and this program and that thing. Like, yes, we need all these things, but let's get back to the simplicity and the beauty of that. And then look at what our churches should look like. Um, and that's difficult, easier to say. And it's nice. It sounds nice as I'm, you know, philosophically unpacking that, but, but that is going to be our challenge um, is yes, how to keep what you're doing afloat and to stay, um, stay above the water, so to speak, but at the same time surrender and submit to what the spirit mm. of God is doing. That's a deeper work than just, Oh, uh, you know, Oh yeah, we're going to do a bit more online church after this. If that's what we're thinking or that's it, then we've missed it. In my opinion, mm. I think there's something far deeper and greater. And, you know, what if, you know, I'm, I'm 38, Jason, and if whatever amount of years I've got left in serving God on this planet, if we just went all out for the next 40 years and, but did something revolutionary from this moment on, mm. then I don't think we'd look back and go, man, I wish we could have, you know, kept how it was, you know, pre COVID-19. And I'm not, I'm not saying that certain things won't be there when we return to somewhat of some, some level of normalcy. I just think it would be a shame for us to not do some deeper work and some deeper digging as leaders to say what needs to shift. And, and here's the other key. I think it can easily turn into like a pointing finger thing versus just responsibility as as a leader listening for myself included it's not like hey let's point the church let's point the finger at the american church or this this leader or this place let's not be those type of leaders let's go what do we need to shift and in order to be the temple to be christ-centered to be a church that's truly going to reach canada for jesus or whatever country you're from yeah um I'm so grateful for that, man. And that's, uh, I think that's where we should stop. I guess the, yeah, Amen. that's a word for this time. Um, I don't know how this works on a podcast, but could you pray for the leaders listening just into that idea of like, God, whatever it is you want to do in me in this time, just that just sort of prayer of openness to just respond to that and to just brush past what you just said would feel um, yeah. like a miss. So I just, well, let's just end. If you just be praying for us, that'd be amazing. I'd love to. Yeah, let's let's pray together. So Lord, I just pray for every leader, every listener, every team member, every person that comes across this uh, podcast. I pray right now for your spirit to um, arrest us, Lord, to um, really uh, help us to surrender to this moment. All of us are feeling all sorts of waves of anxiety or pressure or stress good moments, high moments, low moments. Lord, you know it all. But Lord, help us to not miss the deeper work that you want to do. Holy Spirit, we invite you in to our churches, to our, our lives, our minds, our hearts, our souls, every part of our being. Lord, we're, we're sorry for the, the rhythms that we've set that don't um, example and truly reflect what you have for us. We're sorry for the busyness and the activity that doesn't produce anything. It's like wood and straw compared to the gold and silver that will go through the fire to be refined and will remain. Father, we pray that we would now focus our attention, not on the wood and the straw of the church, but the gold and the silver, the things that are non-negotiable, the things mm -hmm. that are truly of eternal weight and eternal glory. Lord, I thank you, Father, that you would turn the tables over. You would set us free from the fear of economics. You would set us free from the fear of being provided for or uh, whatever ego management we have going on in our insecurities. We all have it, Lord. We, we confess and we repent.
Mm-hmm. And Lord, I just thank you right now for Canada. I thank you for all the leaders across the nations that will engage in this. And I just pray for courage. I pray for boldness. Just like David, who was isolated in that cave, Lord, in Adullam, a place of safety and refuge, he lost everything. He lost uh, all of his goods and his mighty men even turned on him. But yet in that place, the Bible says that he encouraged himself in the Lord. And I pray right now for every leader that they would encourage themselves to rise up Mm. and to be the leader that you've called us to be, to to truly place you as the cornerstone of our church again, that you would be the center of all that we do. And I thank you, Father, for uh, just blessing each leader with this courage and this boldness in this time. Help people as they've gone through loss, loss of jobs, loss of uh, family members, and just the, just this horrible pandemic. Help people and comfort them. But through it all, also help us to do the deeper work. Mm-hmm. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks for being amen. with us today, Josh. Oh, such an you. honor. Thank you so we're, much. We're committed to praying for New York and so thankful that God's put leaders like you, you mentioned John and so many others in a city like that because the whole world's watching mm-hmm. and excited to see how God's going to use you and the churches there um, to do a new thing. It's beautiful. I'm so thankful. Thanks for your time, Jason. Thanks for inviting me on and thanks to everyone listening. Appreciate it. Well, I'm just so thankful for Josh Kelsey for making time to sit down with us and share his heart and experience, especially in the midst of all that's going on right now in New York. If you want to connect more with Josh in C3 New York, you can find links to their website and other online content in the episode notes on our blog. And their team shared a PDF that unpacks more about the details of their dinner parties, and we have links to that there as well. If you're interested, you can check out video from this conversation on the Canadian Church Leaders YouTube channel. And this week is exciting because we're going to release an extra episode this week. This Thursday, we've got Brent Ingersoll on the podcast. He's a pastor of King's Church, a multi-site church in Atlantic Canada. They've got campuses in St. John and Halifax. He's a brilliant leader. He's convicted and thoughtful. I remember the first question I asked him was, what's on his mind these days? And his quick answer was a revival. We talked about transitioning a church, personal spiritual disciplines, and what's on the horizon for the church in Canada and beyond. We had a great conversation about it, and I'm excited for you to hear. And before we sign off today, I just want to thank those of you who've been sharing and subscribing to the podcast. We're early in this relaunch, and so all of that helps so much. And if you want to stay more up to date with the podcast, as always, feel free to follow us on Instagram at Church Leaders Network. Or if you've got any questions or feedback, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at contact at ccln.ca. Today's episode wouldn't be possible without the partnership of Alpha Canada. In the midst of this pandemic, we've watched as churches across Canada have taken Alpha online. And this is a brand new era for this type of ministry. And if you want to find out more, you can check out alphacanada.org slash alpha online. Thanks so much for being with us today. Talk to you later. Mm -hmm.